How you doing guys and girls? Welcome to the Be More podcast. I am your host, Jack Williams. This show is all about helping you elevate your mindset, be more, do more, and have more in your life. To work with me, go to the link in my bio at Jack Williams Fitness on Instagram and join the team. Enjoy the latest episode of the show. Let's go. How are we doing, guys and girls? Welcome to the latest episode of the Be More podcast. Guys, I am so excited for this one. We are joined by a very, very special guest who I had the honor of meeting in Miami. So, guys, without further ado, welcome to the show, Tony Phelan. How you doing, mate? How you doing, Jack? Cadillac Jack? Doing well, man. I'm doing great, brother. How are you? Very good. Very good. Mate, share with the guys. What is your story? Well, um, like, like you said, we met at the Mastermind, man. We met a lot of amazing people out there. Um, found out that a lot of people out there have a very similar story to mine. Um, I wasn't aware that a lot of people in that room were uh, in sobriety. Um, and a lot of people were, um, since that meeting, are now in sobriety. But my story, you know, uh, so I'm I'm a recovering addict. Um, I've been sober for well, long-term. My last, my last sobriety date was uh, over five years ago. Um, March of, uh, well, five years ago, as of this March and, uh, it was alcohol, but you know, I always messed around with, uh, with everything. I abused cocaine and alcohol, mostly, uh, benzodiazepines, you know, Xanax when I could get them. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I was a shit show. I used, I was a shit show. I mean, I'm 45 years old now and I consider myself being reborn at 40. Right. And I always tell myself, man, I wasted so much time, so much time that was wasted just chasing the false bullshit that pardon my French I'm from Texas I'm going to curse a lot but uh <laughs> yeah but you know um so you know I was born in New York I moved out to Texas um with my family um when I was 12 years old the Houston area and um you know that's a very affluent area of, of Houston called the Woodlands um um a lot of very uh very affluent people live there um and we weren't affluent. We were uh, lower to middle class, right? But my father just, you know, did what he could to, you know, get us in good situations, um, you know. And as the new guy in that in that town, and you know, as the uh, the person without the money, I had to find a way to make myself noticeable. And my whole thing, you know, in my later high school years, was to uh, be the guy that was always drunk, right? The guy that always could provide alcohol. And I don't know if you're, uh, if anybody on the uh, watching remembers a show called Dazed and Confused, a movie called Dazed and Confused with Matthew uh, McConaughey and a few others. There was this dude in that show that showed up to a party with the entire, uh, you guys call it the boot, right? But the trunk of uh, the trunk of the vehicle, everything taken out, bunch of ice and beer, right? Well, that was me. So I'd always show up and roll up and, you know, with a bunch of beer. And um, I thought it was cool. I said, I'm going to start drinking during the day just so people, you know, say, man, this guy's this guy's crazy. He drinks by himself during the day. Well, slowly college, you know, you get the the, the regular uh, college uh, party scene and then um, into your professional life. And it starts affecting you, your family. And it really didn't start affecting me truly negatively um, until my uh, until my professional life. So I started out um, in sales. I was um, in pharmaceutical sales um, for 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 a while, and you know I was blatantly using cocaine and drinking. You know we had a company car, 
And I was constantly just driving around that company car drunk. I'd go to work drunk. I'd go to work on cocaine. I would give, you know, I'd be sitting there speaking in front of several uh, industry professionals, high on cocaine and drunk. But, um, you know, that's, uh, and it became a problem. I was lucky in the fact that I was always, I always managed to mostly get out of all my trouble. Um, anytime I got arrested, I was bailed out. I, I mean, you know, something would, it would be deferred or it would be uh, dismissed. So I just kept going. I didn't, I was like, man, I'm untouchable. Um, it wasn't until, let's see, probably age 29, where I was in my company car, um, my company car, using it privately at a bar. And there were girls involved. There was another group of dudes involved. I uh, had my machismo questioned and I, uh, you know, started to fight. So I lost the fight. Um, I got in my vehicle and I turned around instead of exiting the parking lot like I should have. And I ran them all over. And um, that was my the biggest one of the biggest scares of my life. I, uh, uh, you know, I uh, I could have injured a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot worse than I did. Um, what I, I I did manage to uh, injure some people pretty seriously, three three guys. But um, you know, again, I was able to secure an attorney through a, a really good attorney in Houston. Um, that he was the head of the ACLU at the time, and um, my close college girlfriend was his paralegal. So they, you know, reduced the rates and I managed to get um, a, a really good deal. Um, I did, I just served, you know, a few weeks in jail, supposed to do 60 days, I did 30 on good behavior or whatever. It was overcrowded or whatever. Um, but in Harris County jail, in Harris County, Texas, man, it is, it's, it's a tough, it's, it's a tough, uh, tough scene. You know, you're in, county jail but you know you see people get stabbed you see people get beat up on a regular basis and um i uh i'm half hispanic so i played that card and i kind of got in with the uh, <laughs> one of the uh one of the uh popular prison gangs called the houstones and um so i kind of had their you know their guidance and protection for my short 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 time there i mean i'm not claiming to be any badass or any anything like that but you kind of have to make your friends there and um so you know i did got out and um, that didn't stop me. You know, I had nine years of probation. You know, let me add, before that, my last year in college, I was caught with um, uh, Adderall, right? The, the prescription drug Adderall without a prescription. I was in the library studying for midterms. The security guard saw that I had the tablets there. I, I didn't think much of it. And he called the cops. I got arrested. So I got nine years probation for that, um, for uh, felony possession of a controlled substance. Now, I managed to interview my way into that pharmaceutical job. Um, you know, I consider myself an expert interviewer. I can win people over. Uh, you know, I turn on the charisma when I need to. Even with that pending felony charge, they hired me, right? Um, they hired me with two interviews. And, and it's very rare to have two interviews in the pharmaceutical field and get, and get hired. Um, nowadays, it's like four or five interviews. So I was lucky. And then, of course, I screwed that up with the with – the, uh, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon in the vehicle. So when I got out, um, my options were limited. I was on probation for the drug charge. I had um, an additional felony charge, which would, in all cases, would revoke your original probation. And it was a, uh, I was supposed to go serve three years in prison. But I got another good attorney who got me out of it. And I just got one year added on to my nine years of probation. 
and uh, with the serving of the uh, you know the 30 days. So, um, but I, I couldn't get a job after that. So what I what I did was wait tables and bartend. So I bartended, waited tables for several years. Um, you know, but at, at the that I was my alcoholism was at its peak, um, getting in fights every weekend. You know, and a lot of people I think can identify with that. You know, they don't see it as a problem. They just see it as let's get drunk. You're in this you're out with a lot of the same people that are doing a lot of the same things and it's not truly a problem you don't see the problems affecting your family as much you know especially when you're under the influence and that's the uh you know that's one of my biggest regrets about this whole thing is that i you know it, it affected my family a lot and i didn't find out how much until i became sober and we were able to have open dialogue about this and, and i didn't know my mom cried every day i didn't know my sister was calling my friends for advice you know, I didn't know my brother, you know, who was an ex-Marine special ops guy was crying sometimes because he thought I was going to kill myself. You know, I was um, I was in a bad state. I was uh, constantly depressed, using drugs and alcohol to a massive depression. Um, and then it got to the point where in my uh, mid to late 30s, you know, I was a business owner. I owned a nutrition store um, franchise. Um, and um you know, it was just, um, it kind of got out of control. So I would close a store to go, uh, I, I, well, I'd be drinking at the store, right? I, I'd always have, my thing was wine. Um, and I always kind of told myself, it's wine. It's not liquor. It's not, you know, I'm not drinking hardcore liquor. It's just wine. But then I needed wine 24-7 in order to function. I'd wake up at night, open my bedside drawer. I'd have a bottle of wine. I'd chug almost the entire thing or half of it, go back to sleep wake up and continue. So, um, but I was always, you know, I was always uh, just getting by at that point. Um, then I decided to go back to school. So I'm gonna change my life, go back to school, right? That's what I thought you're supposed to do. You're trained to think that that's the way to get ahead in life is to go to school, get another degree, right? So I went to go, go get another bachelor's. I got a bachelor's of science in nursing. Um, so I, um, you know, graduated with a, a degree in nursing and um, got a job at a hospital working as a patient liaison. It's kind of a sales nurse hybrid job. And with uh, with that came a lot of autonomy. And I worked at night from, uh, you know, 5 p.m. to, uh, you know, to 2 p.m. That was my shift. So I had no supervision. So I was drinking the entire time. Um I, that lasted for five years, and and even with uh, a couple suicide attempts and and being, um, you know, here in here in the United States, we have a mandatory seventy-two hour hold if you if you are suicidal, um, or you have suicidal ideation, they call it. Um, so every time I went to the uh, mandatory seventy-two hour hold, I would talk my way out of that mandatory seventy-two hour hold and get out within twenty-four hours or less. I talked to the psychiatrist. I said, you know, look, it's just, I was trying to get back at my girlfriend. I was just saying things. I'm not serious. I have too many things to lose. I have beautiful nieces. I have a family. I have a great job. And they let me out, you know? So I was able to manipulate a lot of the system a lot of times. I became an expert at it. But, um, you know, um, I think what really got me to the point where I finally realized that I needed help was, um, when I was around 39 years old and um, I had a girlfriend, I was living in a beautiful mid-rise in downtown Austin, you know, um, and, you know, just going out, partying all the time. I had a beautiful young girlfriend 
and we uh, we got into an altercation in which I uh, ch choked her right to uh, to get her to stop. Well, we got an argument. No excuse, right? I choked her, and um, she called the police. They arrested me. Now I have an an aggravated assault with um, forcible strangulation, something like that. And um, when I went and got out of jail, my niece, my goddaughter, who was going to school just down the road at the time, came and picked me up and talk about shame, you know, having my young niece pick me up from prison at 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, you know, knowing what had happened. And, you know, and that was the turning point. That was the turning point. Um, I realized that I needed to give it up. But, you know, you can't just give it up. You have to um, you, you have to detox, you know, and I tried several times to detox on my own. My girlfriend stayed with me at the time for an, an additional uh, two to three, two and a half years after that. And she supported me through the whole thing. Um, and what I did was I knew some doctors um, and they provided me with medication to detox safely at home, which I did. Went to AA, um, did that whole route and, um, and you know, maintained my sobriety. And I think what really helped me was getting back. I was an athlete all my life, right? I was a, a, a high caliber uh, cross country and track athlete, ran in college on a scholarship. And um, I started getting fit again. So I you know, joined the, uh, the wave of CrossFitters um, you know, back in those days, started with that, had a community of good people um, and you know, just started focusing on myself. But I was still working um you know a nine to five essentially right um so i never i never had aspirations to do more with that um it wasn't until i got sober and since i was still working that night gig at the hospital with the doing the hospital the hospital sales i picked up a part-time job with a with a freestanding emergency room here in texas and in a handful of other states we have what we call freestanding emergency rooms they're fully functional emergency departments that are not hospital affiliated they just that they're they're uh, standalone they, they function independently and they were looking for a marketer so i picked up that gig and that's where my business actually got started when i saw when i kind of learned a little bit about their business what the high reimbursements were for certain types of patients i pitched them the idea to treat individuals that were seeking recovery and um with you know, and uh, when you're able to treat somebody in acute withdrawal, um, you know, the, uh, you have to hold them in observation. And um, the uh, first, first of all, you're doing a service to the client because at, at that at, at that level of uh, of withdrawal, or if they're still intoxicated, no place will admit you. No treatment center will admit you until you're stabilized. So we provide those stabilization services um, at the freestanding emergency room. I would I put a team together. I pick up the clients, um, our industry professionals, usually interventionists or um, or uh, someone in the uh, in the recovery industry. Pick them up, bring them to the uh, ER. We get them stabilized, and I form partnerships with the treatment centers in the area to get them treatment the next day. And you know, and that's what I did for several years, and I was doing great. You know, it was great. I was making several hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, it was me and a, a couple, a handful of contracted employees. And I, that's where, you know, that we're, we're the, the people that we know, the people we surround ourselves with, the Eric Spoffers, the Waylands, the, the Wes Watsons, you know, all say, you, you've, you know, I fell into the trap, right? Yes, I'm doing 
very well compared to the people I surround myself with. I got the, you know, the car, the, the house, the other car, the young girlfriend. Um, you know, I'm going on trips, bought a condo in Mexico. Man, I, I'm living the life, right? But I fell into the trap of not being in the right circle, um, not being in the right room, comparing myself to people that weren't amounting to anything. So, yeah, I was doing great. I was a king in that circle. But once um, a friend of mine introduced me to um, Eric Spofford and those guys in, in the, uh, the Miami Mastermind where I met you, you know, that completely changed my life, my viewpoint. You know, I didn't realize that I could scale my business the way I could scale it. First of all, I had never planned to scale my business. I was happy making what I was making, but um, it never hit me that I, uh, you know, that I should be shooting for something ridiculous. You know, I, sh I should be shooting for a lot higher than what I was. And um, so, you know, that's where I'm at. I'm scaling my business. Um, the uh, I met these guys, and you know, they're, it's nice to have this circle of friends and the uh, the mastermind calls and or the uh, the inner circle calls because they keep you accountable, right? Um, at the end of the day, um, you know, you and I, I think I've heard you say it, Jack. Uh, you know, you you don't raise, you don't rise to the uh, to the you you don't rise to the uh, the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems, right? So I started getting up at five a.m. Um, every morning, um, getting the gym in early. Um, and it feels great having four or five hours under your belt before anybody really starts doing anything during the day. You know, I get a lot of, I can get a lot done before 5, 10 PM than most people get done the entire day. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, that type of thinking and creating a certain pattern for myself that, um, has got me on, I think headed towards a different level, you know, but at the same time, you know, I'm doing, I think I'm doing well and I had the potential. I had my trajectory. I had everything going for me. And in just recently, you know, I, uh, I was, you, you always, you've always been told to expect the unexpected and you're in judge yourself on when you're at your lowest, not when you're at your most successful. Well, now's the time for me to judge myself when I'm at my lowest because my business, essentially the bottom fell out. Right. So with our current um, uh, without getting political, without, with our current administration, um, the healthcare regulations on insurance companies is kind of shit here in the United States. So um, with a lot of the policies, especially the market marketplace policies from Obamacare and, and things like that, will not pay the medical providers. And my business is structured on those reimbursements, on, on getting my, my clients, my ER clients paid through those reimbursements. So when uh, when I saw that the previous year that it basically went from I don't know you know it dropped by about seventy five percent the reimbursements you know so my a lot of my contracts were terminated a lot of my contracts were severely um, decreased and so now I'm in the in the midst of liquidating a lot of things you know selling this selling that you know, selling the condo in Mexico and you know but I'm one of those persons with with no ego man I mean. You know, I don't really care. I could, I could sell everything, go live in my mom's garage apartment, drive a 2012 Toyota Corolla, and start all over. I, I don't give a shit. Um, you know, and I think that's a lot of what what we've learned is that you know, ego is it, it's self constructed. It's um, you know, the shame that and the embarrassment, the humiliation, all that is is ego, and ego is created. You know, so mm -hmm. 
so I've, you know, I lost my ego a long time ago. I don't have much ego. I don't care what people think of me really. And I think that's a, that's a benefit. But, um, so, you know, I, uh, spoke with one of my mentors recently, um, and, um, he gave me some good advice on how to pivot, still keep my business, still keep it running, still keep the blood flowing, um, but pivot to where I can, um, succeed in, a, in the same industry, but just on a different, on a different side of it. So I'm working towards that right now. And, uh, we, we have good things, good things coming, but it's just going to take some time, you know? So yeah, that's where I'm at. So I really appreciate you being so open, honest, sharing your story. Like you're going to help so many people by by really communicating like what you've been through, how you've come out the other side, the lessons you've learned in that journey. I know where speaks about healing yourself and then teaching others to do the same. Like you've really done that, mate. So you should be really proud. And I, I love listening to your story, right? And there's some areas I'm like, right, let's go deeper into that and your experiences and what you learned from it. Because I sure. think that's really valuable for, for myself, for people listening. So, like, talk about your experience when you went to jail. Like, that was, it was only a short period, like 30 days. Um, what did you learn from that? Well, I learned that the justice, justice system wasn't very fair to those without resources. You know, that's one thing. You know, there was a lot of people in there that if they were me, you know, and, and had the uh, the the funds and the uh, the white skin and you know they, they they may not have been in the situation they were in. I mean, I should have been with uh, three felony aggravated assault charges um, with a deadly weapon. I, I should have been in there a lot longer than I was, you know. But I was able to, you know, get a good attorney and pay my way out essentially. But uh, you know, the justice system sucks for a lot of people. Just a rotating door. Um, uh, you know, here in the United States, at least, you know, people don't have the uh, the resources and the options to see a way out so being in jail um or you know or, or is not a is not a big deal to a lot of people they just plan on going back out doing the same thing and coming back but for me you know the truthfully the uh the jail was an experience that i wouldn't trade because um you know i learned a lot about myself um, I learned that I could handle myself in, in tough situations and, you know, it was, it, you know, I had been in jail before, but just, you know, the in and outs, the, uh, couple days here for intoxication and things like that, but never in a, in a, uh, large, uh, county jail, like Harris County jail in Texas, in Houston, Texas. And, um, it was, a so it was an eye opener, you know, and I didn't want to go back. Mm -hmm. So I learned that I wasn't going to go back and, um, you know, at least that was my, uh, my initial my initial uh, uh, goal was to not ever go back because when you lose your freedom, man, when you get those cuffs put on your ankles and your and your wrists and you're tethered to another inmate who's tethered to another inmate, and then they're transferring you and you're out in the open and there are car cars driving by, it's just the most humiliating feeling ever, you know. And you're like, God, never again. But um, but you know, my addiction was my addiction, and of course I. After time passed, you know, I went to jail again for, you know, physically assaulting somebody. And, um, you know, uh, but it's um, it was I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was a good experience. I, you know, I always I consider it a good experience. I try to get everything I count out of every experience, whether it's good or bad. And, um, you know, I, I I'm glad I had that experience, though, very short and not comparable to a lot of people who have done some major prison time. But, um, you know, it was enough yeah for sure we, you said something really interesting when you were talking about all the drinking you was doing and 
how everyone around you was kind of doing the same. I know, I know it was affecting like your your family, they were getting affected, but it sounded like you was almost blending in. Like it sounds like obviously a lot of people in society right now are they're they're escaping into drink, drugs, etc. Did you feel like you were blended in or did you feel like you were different? Well, I mean, I, you know, at some point it just became, I was just blending in with everybody else. Right. And, uh, you know, I initially, when I first started drinking the way I did at a younger age, I was, I stood out because I was, you know, so young, 16 and, you know, and, uh, but, you know, once you get to uh, college age, you're just blending in, you're just doing it to do it because everybody else is, you know, what else is there to do on the weekends besides go and drink and chase women and, um, and, you know, and do as many drugs as you can. Um, you know, that's, that's what it was. And um, so, yeah, it was just a matter of blending in and, and, you know, it, not as much peer pressure because I wanted to do it, but um, just, uh, it was just what you did. And I didn't have that vision. Every, you know, there, every once in a while you come across somebody, um, you know, and I had a friend, very close friend, who's, who's been a friend of mine for 25 years now, um, who could have done the same thing, but he chose to, you know, go a different route. He uh, he went to a different school than everybody else, uh, you know, and um, he distanced himself from his friends in high school. And um, and even after college, he uh, he moved away to a different city. He got himself together. He's a multimillionaire now. But, um, you know, and I saw I saw I saw in him what I know now to be true that, you know, show me your friends. Right. And I'll show you your future. Well, in his case, he, he saw that at a very young age and he distanced himself from the individuals that weren't going to increase his value and um, and made friends with a lot of uh, a lot of ex extremely, extremely important people. I love it. Love it. Let's talk a little bit about I'm going to ask you some good questions in a minute about advice you'd give your 21 year old self. I think show me your friends and I'll show you your future would be one of them. But I'll let you think on that for a second. But. Talk us through, like, I know right now, especially in the UK where, where I am, there's a lot of guys that are going through mental health challenges, lots of trying to commit suicide. Some have, like, you obviously had some experience there. What did you, how did you overcome that? What would you, what would your advice be to someone going through that right now? Right. So, um, you know, and I, uh, so somebody going through that right now, right? Look, and it's very cliche to say that, this will pass you know things get better you have no idea what you'll be in five years you'll be in 10 years 15 years that'll be a blip on your radar screen the problems you think you're having right now even though they may be great at this juncture in your life will be nothing you know with time and everything takes time but it also takes time and it takes action so you have to you know you have to be able to figure out why it is what what is it that you're depressed about right? You kind of find out what, what you're made of, who you are, what you want, and then take action to try to get what you want. Um, you know, I know some people feel hopeless. I mean, I was that guy with a gun in my mouth and then, you know, saying goodbye to my friends and, and then a friend would call, you know, the police in, a I was in a different city, but uh, they'd call the police and then I'd have, you know, basically like a SWAT team at my door, you know, and um, stop me on several occasions, a handful of occasions. But, um, you know, I just didn't see a way out of it. I, I, I felt depressed. I felt like I wasn't going anywhere. You know, I saw all these people that were successful and I'm like, I had no freaking clue how to get there. It was, it was out of my reach. Right. Well, I mean, the truth is nothing's out of your reach. Um, you know, you, you really, you can make a go of, 
of, of, you know, of, of something and make it into something. Um, it's just, uh, you know, it will pass is, is, is my, is my, uh, is my advice to some people. I mean, you, you, you have no idea what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And that only comes with time. Right. So if you can weather the storm, you know, the, uh, you find out who you are in those tough situations. And if you can just put down the drink, put down the suicidal thoughts, put down, you know, all the negativity and focus on what you do have. Because so many people just don't, aren't able to focus on what they do have. Are you healthy? You know, you still have your health. You don't have any major uh, complications. You have every ability to go out there and, and start your own business or, uh, you know, or, or learn from people. But I think the first step is surrounding yourself with people that have done more than you have ever expected to do. Somehow find a way to get in front of those people, right? Dump, dump the, dump the friends that aren't helping you. Dump the friends that are giving you advice that haven't amounted to shit because their advice isn't worth anything, right? Take the advice of people that have made something of themselves, um, and that, that's that's who you want to surround yourself with. Um, you know, you've done that. You know, I, I've done that, and it's amazing the amount of help you'll get just out of nowhere just for being in the room people want to help successful people want to help other people that want to be successful right if they see that in you they'll give you free advice you know and you know i i there's several people from this inner circle that that uh, you and i are involved with that um you know that have reached out to me with uh, certain opportunities or here and there let's do this let's do that uh, let's talk about this, you know, and I'll be in Miami for, uh, for the networking event um, on the 18th. Uh, um, I know you just you just came back from Miami not too long ago. I don't know if you're, are you are you going to be able to go or no? Not to this one, but yeah. I'll, be, I'll be the ones in the future for sure. Good. But, um, you know, so um, I, you know, so I'm like, great, this is going to be a great opportunity. I'll get out there, get to speak with these guys again, see if we cr can create any synergy um, in what I'm looking to do. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's just such a broad range of people, man. I mean, it's people that own uh, multi-million dollar companies wrapping cars, you know, wrapping cars with, uh, or, you know, and, it, and I think one of the individuals in our group, um, um, wraps cars, owns a company that wraps cars, has 136 employees, just bought a new Lambo, has an, an a McLaren as well, and a Rolls Royce. I mean, it's just, and, and, and just a few years ago, he was overweight, unmotivated, working for someone else, but he learned the craft, learned what he needed to do to start the business himself and do it better, um, surrounded himself with successful people and the people that were doers and not triers. And there is a difference, right? There's the doers and then there's the triers. If you try, if you say you're going to try, that means you are just going to give it enough without the risk. That you know that that to me is what that means. Don't try, fucking do it. Go all in. I mean, if you ask any multimillionaire, I guarantee you, or any billionaire, at some point in their career, they were at risk of losing everything on one deal, right? I mean, a, a majority of them, I would, I would, I would assume. And um, you know, you have to take the risk. You you have to go all in in everything you do. Um, trying is a bullshit word. Don't try. You know. Don't say, okay, I'll try to get up early in the morning. No, you do it, and you and it's non-negotiable. Create, uh, create a, a system for yourself 
you know, whether it's getting up at 5 a.m. in the morning, eating clean, getting to the gym, starting your day off right, connecting with a certain amount of uh, influential people throughout the day, even if it's just a check in, um, you know, reaching out to a certain audience. Uh, you know, my whole thing is I, you know, I, I never even considered having a social media presence before I went to the inner circle. I thought that social media was a waste of people's resources and time. And it's the exact opposite, right? I mean, you have to be on social media these days, you know? And even if you don't think you have anything to say, you don't know you don't have anything to say. I mean, you could get up in the morning, show your breakfast, talk a little bit about going to the gym and how shitty you feel. God, I don't want to be here right now, but guess what? I'm going to the fucking gym. And how many people could that touch? You don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Your reach could be could be extremely far, or, but it, at least if it helps one person, you're on the right track, right? So, um. But again, going back to trying and doing, it's just, um, you know, if you're going to do something, anything worthwhile, you have to really give it your all. Um, and giving it your all means that there's going to be significant risk involved. And if you're not willing to, to, to risk it, then, you know, then you're going to be stuck in the same in, in the same cycle that you've been stuck in. The same nine to five, the same uh, the same uh, daily problems, uh, you know. Um, so, you know, it's just. Uh, do i god what was it yoda i think that says there is no try there only there is only do that's a smart motherfucker <laughs> but uh but it's so true i mean it's so true so um you know so i'm uh, at the point right now where i have to do and i am at risk of losing a lot um because i'm liquidating everything to put back into the business right and um i'm paying you know i'm paying my staff with my personal funds uh, because my my business initially had little overhead, and um, you know I didn't plan for a catastrophe, um, but um, you should always expect the unexpected, um, and then you know adjust as necessary. So that's what I'm doing, you know, and um, with the uh, with the help and the mentorship of some uh, people that have made a lot of them from themselves that came from nothing, you know, I'm going to make the right changes, and uh, we'll see where we are in a uh, in two three years, but. Uh, It'll be positive. I love it. And by the way, guys, this is your first ever podcast, right? And you were like, oh, I'm not sure if I'll have much to share. But I'm a bit bigger. I'm like, hey, this has probably been the best podcast I've done. Like, the, There's obviously so much wisdom you've gained from your all of your experiences, all of your adversity, and it, including what you're going through now. And you're sharing so much value, mate. So I want to say I, I really appreciate it. And I, I want to go into some more detail if you've got time and some more little bits. I got the time, brother. Let's go. Cool. So you mentioned about fitness really helping. Obviously, fitness is is what has been what saved me in my life too, right? So like the fitness aspect and the community, like let's talk about the catalyst for you. Obviously, when you got sober, you're like, right, I've made a decision now. So like what advice would you give to people who want to make that decision as well? What would, what would be the most important things you would recommend? Um, and then the power of having fitness in your life again and the community you've got from that and how much of an impact that's made for you. Sure. So, I mean, look, so, I mean, the facts are that, you know, a, a fit person is a healthier person is a, is a, uh, you're going to think more clearly, you're going to feel better, you're going to be healthier, you're going to be able to perform better in all aspects of life, right? So, but for somebody who may, it might be new to, um, you know, just start with what you can start with. There is a, a young lady that I'm, I'm Facebook friends with, I haven't seen her in several years, but, you know, she started posting herself doing push-ups 
every day, right? And just posting it. She was probably very embarrassed. You know, she wasn't she wasn't very you know fit, but and she could barely do a push up. You know, and there's a lot of people commenting that's not a full push up. No rep. No rep. No rep. You know, but fuck them. People that are gonna say that you know have obviously have some insecurities and have no and probably aren't doing what they need to be doing. So just but then you see her progressing, right? And you see her progressing and progressing and progressing. And after a couple of months, the chick is doing, you know, 25 full push-ups, doing it the right way, and she's bettering herself. Look, if you knock down somebody that is trying to better themselves, then what kind of fucking person are you? You know, look yeah. at yourself in the mirror and figure out why the hell you would say that. I mean, I just I, I I hate people like that. You know, I used to be one of those people. I used to constantly rag on people and just constantly bring people down or come up with some excuse why he was he or she was going to fail. You know, yeah, sure. He's going to do this for a while. He's going to fail. Watch. And then there I was in my nine to five, not making, you know, a mountain of shit, drinking alcohol constantly. You know, what 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 do I have to say? But um, but fitness for me, man, is a foundation, you know, start small. Um, have your goals in place. Um, maybe find a mentor or a trainer that might be, help, be able to help you along the way. There's a lot of great content out there, uh, people that will uh, offer you free advice and free workout advice. But, um, you know, definitely try to set a goal for yourself um, and, you know, and, and, and achieve that goal and then surpass that goal and then create another goal and then do bigger and go bigger and go bigger. And once you have that fitness foundation, um, you know, that'll help you in every aspect of your life. Cause I was the same way in, um, in my fitness and my working out as I was in my business, I got comfortable. I got trapped in that, in, in that comfortable state. I was making good money. I was happy. I was traveling. Um, but in my fitness, I kind of plateaued as well, but I didn't even notice it until I, I, I met Wes Watson, you know, and, and some of the things that he had to say, like, he goes, let your, let your regret be your guide, I think is one thing he said one time. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, ego is just um, is, is a construct. You know, it's just your shame, your shame and humiliation is ego and ego is just a construct. And, um, you know, you, you have to. And then I think Sean Whalen was somebody that said, you know, humiliate, hum, be, go out there to humiliate yourself. Plan on humiliating yourself. Plan on embarrassing yourself because that's what you need to get past. And um, for me. Um, you know, I realized that I had hit a plateau because I, I, I was, you know, I'm like, I don't, would always say, especially to some of my friends who were trainers, look, I don't need your advice. Thank you. I don't need your advice. I've been doing this for 20 years. I was an NCAA athlete. I, I, I know what I'm doing. But, you know, I hit a plateau. I was I was doing the same old, same old, same old, same old, same old. And I would let some old injuries be my, uh, you know, speak to me a little negative, negative. Oh, you can't do this because of your knees. Right. I had two two surgeries on my knees. But um, you, you just got to work past that. And um, for me, it's um, it, it's just uh, it's a release. You know, you, it, it's just um, it's something that has to be in part of my life. I don't ever see it going away. It can't. It, it can't go away. I mean, you know, back in the day, everybody's walking around hunting and gathering and doing all that stuff. What are we doing? Just sitting at desks. And so you have to make fitness a part of your a part of your lifestyle mm -hmm. and start slow. Look for mentors. Look for people you can look up to. Uh, look for a community of, of, of individuals that are doing the same thing and that are supportive and, um, and immerse yourself in it and hold yourself accountable. Document it, you know, document it. You might want to say to yourself that okay, nobody on my Facebook account or nobody on my Instagram account wants to see my stupid workout shit, but it doesn't have to be for them. It can be for you. It can be to hold yourself accountable. 
because you know that that one time you don't post, everyone else is going to know, oh, this guy probably didn't work out that day or, or, or something, you know. So the documentation should be for yourself. And eventually, if it, if it, if it touches other people and reaches other people, then, then great. That, that's huge. And that's eventually what it'll do. But initially, start out for yourself. Start, start a diary, you know, a journal. Start uh, doing video journals uh, for yourself. And um, and that'll help help you stay accountable. I love it, mate. So, so talk to me about this. I've got a couple more questions for you, right? And this has been huge for me too. The power of getting in the right rooms. And you mentioned this a few times. So, like, was the inner circle for you like the first investment you made in this kind of way, or was there other things you did before? So, the inner circle uh, was my first ever. Um, I mean, I, I, I so. I had been in social circles with uh, multimillionaires and billionaires through my friend who I mentioned earlier, who kind of moved away and did his own thing, but he kept me, always kept me close because he saw the potential in me. Um, so uh, I've been around those types of people, but I've never, I never felt like I added any value, right? So I, I always kind of kept myself at arm's distance. So, but the inner circle was the first time I've ever um, done something like this, um, that at this scale. Um, and professionally done, you know, specifically to get people in the right rooms and get people networking and meeting and creating synergy and things like that. Um, it, and it was it was huge. You know, I always toyed around with uh, during COVID. I wanted to is when I really got interested in it, but there was nothing going on during COVID. Right. Um, so um, a friend of mine uh, who, you know, Frank, Frank Parisi um, introduced me to uh, a friend of his. Um, Eric Spofford and um, they had they knew each other from the industry years years prior and um, he started telling me about all the great things Eric was doing and this and that and introduced me to the inner circle and um, you know I reached out to Eric via text they gave me his number and Eric texted back immediately and um, said you should do this you know um, just uh, jump on and I and I jumped in I, I did it and I was able to go to the, um, I think I missed the yacht event um, in March or something like that. Or, but then I, I made the uh, the Miami ma mastermind. God, what a life changer, man! And it, and you're riding that high for a good two weeks, right? At least um, of everything that all the people you've met, the energy. But if you don't put those things into action, it will quickly fade, right? So you really have to put the what you've learned there into action. I mean, I still have my. I still have my Eric Spofford book that I'm constantly writing notes in, you know, and I constantly reference this book, you know, let me pick a good one. I'll just tell you something. Okay. Um, who was this? Wes Watson. All right. You've got to act like you fucking have nothing. Like you don't have another fucking chance, right? That if you acted like you don't have another chance, like this is it, this is your last chance. What would we all do? Right. I always, my father passed away at the age of 60 from cancer, right? He battled cancer for 30 years. One of the most well-educated, kindest men I ever knew, but he was never able to reach that level of success that he could because he was constantly sick. A PhD from Notre Dame University, you know, just an amazing person. But um, the, um, gosh, what was I saying? Uh, uh, well, God, Jack, retract me. Where was I going with that? Lost. Uh, <laughs> I said, um, Oh yeah, act as if this is your last chance, right? So I always considered myself, okay, my dad died at 60. I've got till 60, 
right? Because I'm the most, I was the closest to him as our children in, in DNA, right? I look just like him. Um, you know, so I'm always like, I'm going to get cancer and I'm going to die at 60. So what should I do? Right. So that's kind of the mentality I have is I need to accomplish something and I need to accomplish something quickly. I need something to, I don't have children, but I, I want something to leave to my nieces, a legacy. I want, I want them to learn from my actions and my accomplishments. And even if it's failure, man, even if I fail, they will learn from that. Right. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, act like you don't have a, another chance. Act like you, you have a limited, because we do, we're, we're all going to die, dude, you know, sooner than we think. And I just messaged, me, mentioned my friend, um, Frank Parisi, our, our friend, Frank Parisi, who um, was winning, 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 had his best quarter of the inception of his business. He owns a treatment center and is now fighting for his life, intubated in a hospital from pneumonia secondary to heart failure. It came out of nowhere. Nobody, none of the doctors know how, how it came about. Nobody knows why. There were no warning signs, you know. And all of a sudden now he's, you know, I FaceTimed with him the other day and now he's all tubed up. He can't speak, but he can give me thumbs up, you know. And um, you never know when your health is going to uh, affect your, uh, you know, affect your life. And that's the one thing we can't control. But what we can control is our actions, and um, what we can do to you know, better our lives and better the lives of others. And, um, and I think that's another thing we have that we haven't touched on is that if you're not attempting to, to, to help the lives of others, then, then you're failing. Um, yes, we ultimately wanna, what we, we, want, we want to be rich. We wanna be able to support our families and, and have the freedom you know, that comes with that amount of money. Um, but um, ultimately, you know, if you don't have your health, what do you have? So, you know, it's it, 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 it's a scary thing sometimes, but you gotta you, you gotta you just gotta live like uh, like you don't have much time left. So true, so true. And let's talk a little bit about the law of exposure because I feel like this has been the biggest thing for me with the inner circle, getting around people like Eric, yourself, like being exposed to people playing life at a totally different level has shifted. Like when Sean opened up the event with that talk about we're running out of time. Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I've never heard anyone speak like this before. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just a whole different mentality perspective. And this is why these guys are operating from a space of, of urgency, despite what they've already achieved. And it's like a different ball game completely compared to a lot of the information that I was used to hearing, like I'd almost arrived. Do you know what I mean? So like, whereas these right. guys are playing life at a completely different level, flying around in jets and with yachts and they're like, Hustling harder than than most people I've well, anyone I've ever met in my life, you know. Right, because they feel as if they have not arrived yet. They feel as if I, that they need more. Right, they want to get to the next level. They are constantly, constantly trying to figure out how to get to that next level, and um, you know, and that's a difference between you know people. Sometimes people are content, and you fall into that trap. Um, you know, um, yeah, when um, when um, Waylon came out and said, hey, guess what? We all just won the fucking lottery today because we woke up and so many people didn't, right? Uh, you know, he was like, take that in for a second and think about that. And, you know, and, and I have something in common with with uh, with Sean uh, uh, Waylon um, in, in that, you know, he, he was telling us a story about how he lost everything, lost his wife, lost his kids. Um, you know, I think this was before he was sober. He had a gun in his mouth and he was going to shoot himself and something popped in his head 
um, regarding, uh, you know, be a lion, not a sheep, you know, which is now his brand. Um, and he put down the gun and made the necessary changes to, uh, to succeed. And, um, the, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, all those guys are constantly striving to do more, right? Um, Wes Watson, uh, uh, you know, Fleshman, um, all those guys, and, and Spofford. I mean, Spofford's, you know, he said, you know, he made $115 million in that sale from his business at a very young age. Um, and he was bored. He felt, he felt worthless. He was depressed afterwards. He's like, now what? Now I got to bring it to the next level. So he took everything he earned, essentially, and put all his chips on the table and, you know, and took a big risk in his next venture. And he was either going to either going to win or lose. You know, I mean, that's how they think they're, 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 they're risk takers and it's the risk takers, risk takers that succeed, you know, but um, um, you were talking about um, uh, the law of exposure, right? Yeah. So once you get exposed to this type of stuff and once you see the possibilities and how they did it, I mean, Wes Watson's only five or six years out of prison and he's making two million dollars a month, you know, and how did he start it? By by personal training and then personal growth and then life coaching. And then, you know, and, and it's just expanded and expanded and expanded. And he's giving back to, you know, to people that need that support. And 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 and, uh, and it's it's paying off for him. But even he's not even he's not happy with his success. You know, everybody, everybody's everybody's going bigger. And um, if we're being exposed to these people, I can only imagine the amount of people they're being exposed to. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's their that's their level that they want to get to. We have our level we want to get to. Um, but you're right. Once you have what you see, what's possible, there's no going back. How can you? I mean, Jesus. I, I mean, you, you can't you can't go back. I mean, can you imagine? I, I couldn't. I, I was talking to my sister the other day, and I was like, "Man, I can't." She, you know, she said, "Well, you can always." I was telling her the trouble with my business, and um, she's like, "Well, you can always, you know, you, you can always go back and make and make decent money doing uh, something similar to what you were doing." I'm like, "Are you joking?" Like, I'll never go back to a nine to five. I'll never go back to somebody telling me what to do. You know, uh, I'm I'm going to continue to help people get into recovery one way or the other. And that's another big reason, uh, you know, is a, a part of my sobriety is helping people get into into sobriety, um, and helping them with uh, with treatment. Um, you know, I, I need that in my life, so there's no option for me. That's that's, that's the industry I'm going to be in, and that that's what I'm going to do. And um, but once you are exposed to this level of success, it's very very difficult, if not impossible, to go back and not take action to make it happen for yourself. You know, I mean, you have to. It, there's no other option. And we were walking to lunch one time, or maybe it was at the end of uh, the, the conference, um, one of the first day, the first day, I think. And me and Frankie, uh, Parisi, were walking down the hallway, and there was Wes. And we were just like, hey, man, thanks, uh, thanks for what you do. Uh, we follow you, yada, yada, yada. And his response was, I had no choice. You know, I had no choice. So if you approach it that way, like you have no choice to other than to, you know, to reach for the stars and, and you know, try to surpass your goal. I mean, goals are one thing, but I mean, yeah, it's great to have goals. But if you don't have some type of ridiculous fucking goal, something that's so unattainable, then you're doing it wrong. And if you don't have people telling you that you'll never make it, that it's impossible, then you're doing it wrong. 
right? You want no people around you. You don't want yes people around you. If you know people, if you have yes people around you telling you that you're doing such a great job and telling you what a great person you are, you might want to reevaluate your friends because you want the people to say, you know, uh, I mean, I mean, granted, you do want people to support you, and, and you know, and you need a good support group and things like that. But you, you need, um, you need people to challenge you. Is, is was my point, right? You need people to constantly challenge you. And if you're hearing from people that, ah, oh, man, Tony, I don't know, that's that, that's the tall order. I, I don't know if you can do that. I mean, how do you expect to do that? I'm going to make it happen. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. No, not try. I'm going to do, right? <laughs> Just stuck my foot in my mouth. But um, I think I said that to Eric I, uh, yesterday when I was speaking with him. I said, okay, yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to try that. And he goes, he goes, what? He goes, fuck trying. He goes, you just told me you weren't going to do shit. You, you're, you just told me you weren't going to risk it all. And um, so I'm like, you're right, you're right. I didn't mean try. I meant do. I meant do. I meant I'm going to do it. Um, I'm going to put everything you just told me into action. You know, I have a whiteboard back here, you know, and I think everybody should have a whiteboard. I'm a very, um, everybody needs to write stuff down. I'm a, I, I'm a writer. I have to write things down. I have to pass stuff on paper. I have a bunch of notes everywhere that probably don't make sense to anybody else but myself. You know, you, it's like puzzle pieces, but, um, I need to have stuff written down on paper. Um, uh, otherwise, it doesn't exist, right? And if you don't share those ideas with other people, you know, the important people to help that that are going to help you make that happen, then it doesn't exist. You can talk all day long about I'm going to wait for the perfect time to do this, and once this happens, that's when I'm going to implement this. Or and then once this happens, that's when I'm going to implement this. You know, you, you just got to do it and figure it out later. You know, if you don't have all the pieces in place but you have the ability to get started, get started and, and the pieces will fall into place, right? And if they don't, what's the worst that can happen? Then you fail, big deal. It's better than not trying at all or not, not, not attempting to, to do it at all, right? So, and you're back in the same place that you were. So, I mean, you know, it, I just, I, if people approach their lives with that type of mindset and mindset's a whole different, you know, a whole different discussion. Um, you know, then then you really need to evaluate what you're doing. Are you happy with your nine to five? Are you happy with the mediocre life? Um, and some people are, you know, and I'm not judging um, my, you know, but but I want more, you know, and I'm striving for more. Yeah. And uh, on the way, I'm going to be able to help as many people as I can um, in one way or the other, whether it's through their addiction or whether it's, you know, through uh, through pursuing things that are uh, going to give them the financial freedom to live the life they want to live then so be it i love it i love it mate and I, I really appreciate your time and i want to end on just one more question so i think i know the answer by the way but you're 20 you, you're walking through a starbucks cafe today yeah and you can see your 21 year old self sat there in the corner having a coffee mm -hmm. one minute what do you say to him okay so first of all my 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 guy would be sipping a coffee with a bag with a, probably a computer bag filled with three bottles of wine, right? <laughs> um, you know, I would tell him that you have limited time with your family. Your father is going to die. You're not amounting to shit. Figure out what you want and go for it. And don't, and think outside the box. I mean, that's such a cliche to think outside the box. I mean, I think I would tell, uh, first of all, I'd probably give him a smack. And say, what's in the bag? You know, why? 
You know, is that the life you want for yourself? Um, what if I could tell you that you would be a multimillionaire at age, you know, uh, 45, if you made the proper changes right now, would you change that? You know, um, and, and I, and I tell them that it, it, it was possible. I mean, don't wait, don't wait. I mean, it's just do it now. You're never too young. You're never too inexperienced. Um, you know, it's just surround yourself with the right people. Get rid of your old friends. Uh, you know, that'd be a big thing is get rid of your friends, walk away, start new friends, look for people that are, that are a high, at a high level of success and surround yourselves with them. Soak it all in, learn, learn, learn from these people. And eventually you'll be one of those people, you know? Mate, I love it. You've dropped so much amazing wisdom that the listeners have been spoiled massively with this. And I look forward to bringing you back on again soon, mate. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate it, man. Where can people find you, buddy? I know you're going to be a lot more active on social media, especially by the sounds of what you were saying there. So tell them where we Yeah, can. so um, um, my name is, uh, my, uh, my IG, um, yeah, I'm going to start documenting more. I have to start doing that is a uh, tony t-o-n-y underscore my last name phelan if they can see it on the screen there or p-h-e-l-a-n and then level up but level up is abbreviated l-v-l-u-p so tony underscore phelan l-v-l-u-p that is me and um yeah follow me if you want go follow him guys thanks for coming on mate all right jack take care buddy